0: Edgar. Appreciate Edgar Edgar and the team. It was funny, uh, Edgar and I were working in my office uh, last Wednesday and the mail came and so I'm opening my mail while working and and I got a Christmas card from someone. Um, I hope you get your devotional. Um, It should be there by Thanksgiving so um, you get your spring devotional but no it's it's uh, it is on its way if you don't already have it. Uh, thank you to Leanne and the team. What a powerful time of worship this morning. There's just something about singing the name of Jesus. Something so beautiful about that. We're going to talk about Jesus now. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I'm going to ask you at home to do the same. I'm going to give you a few more scriptures and some points. So I'm going to ask you to write these down as we talk about them. And I'm going to ask everyone to remove any distractions, so that we can totally focus on what God has for us this morning in John chapter 13. Deep inside each one of us, uh, there is a desire for greatness. Now, you might not say that in those words, but inside of every one of us, God has placed something there that we want our lives to matter. We want our lives to be seen. We want our lives to count. I don't know how you say it, but when we're gone, we want to be remembered for something positive, that that our lives made this world different, that, that God used us in some great way. And it's okay to have those feelings because God actually put those feelings inside of us. But how do you get there? How do you get to the place where your life really matters? How do you get to that place of greatness? And instead of preaching an entire sermon and then doing the big reveal at the end, I'm just going to do the big reveal up front. That way you don't have to listen to the rest of the sermon. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Actually, no, you have to You have to, but I want to give you that big reveal first. How do you make your life great? How do you make your life count? It's going to be on the screen. You were created to serve. You were created to serve. That's the next thing we're talking about in our Activate series, following Jesus. There's so much out there for men, for women, in books and podcasts, videos, courses, How to live your best life, how to be great, how to be free, how to be fulfilled, all of these things. And if you want those things, what you need to do is serve. Give your life away. Why is it so important to serve? Because Jesus told us to. says in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That's Jesus. If you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. And we would say, you know, I, I I think you might have that backwards. Because it's counterintuitive. It's not how the world works, right? You want to be the boss. You want to be in charge. You want to have people that work for you or do your bidding. You want to be served, not serve and If you really want to grow in God, serve. If you really want to be great, serve. Because how many know even the best bosses are the ones that serve their employees? See, God's saying, I'm calling you to serve. Let me just tell you this right up front. And I know I'm a pastor, so I have to say this. But I don't just have to say it. I believe with all my heart. Just obey God's word. Just do what God's Word tells you to do. Just be obedient. It works. Simple obedience. And if he says, hey, serve, then that's what we're called to do. It's commanded by Christ. It's exemplified by Christ in the washing of the disciples' feet. And that's what we're going to read in John chapter 13, beginning at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come From God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. Then Lord Simon replied, don't just wash my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said, Not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash the feet at one another's feet. I have set an example for you. that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you that no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus gives us three lessons in this prophetic act, and I'm going to give you these three lessons today. I'd like you to write them down and And the first lesson we learn from Jesus is the lesson of humility. We learn the lesson of humility. Jesus doesn't talk about it. He does it in this passage. A prophetic action of washing the feet. And Jesus said this about his own life in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to be our Savior. He came to give his life for ours. And he didn't come so that we would serve him. He came to serve us. When we read this at the beginning in verse 3, we see that Jesus has everything under his feet. He has all power. He has all authority. He is God. Everything is at his command. And yet he gives himself up in service. The disciples must have been shocked as Jesus begins to take off his outer garment, and he puts on what we would look at like an apron, and he ties that around him, and he bends down and he begins to wash their feet. Here is their king, their lord, their master, their rabbi, and he has put on this apron, he's bowing down in the lowest form of a servant, and he begins to wash their feet. Again, it shocked the disciples because the disciples, they, they are always arguing about who's the greatest. Even on the last night of Jesus' life, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And they're always jockeying for position. And in this unforgettable lesson, Jesus teaches them that greatness is found in humility. The Bible says that Jesus clothed himself in Humility. That he is our example. That we take his place here in this world as we give our lives away. What's also interesting in this passage is that Judas is there. We know that from this passage. And Jesus even washes the feet of Judas. That we are called to love and serve and pray for our enemies and those who persecute us. That even Jesus washed Judas's feet. There's a refrain in the Old Testament and New Testament. It's not found in one book. It's found in multiple books. And in both the Old and the New Testament, it's this. And I'm just going to quote it from 1 Peter chapter 5. It says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud and gives grace, favor, blessing to the humble. If you want to be an enemy of God, be proud. Do your own thing. Have others serve you. But if you want to be great, if you want to be close to God, if you want to be blessed by God, if you want his favor, and his favor means his nearness, his closeness, and watching over you, if you want that, just stay humble. That's what we're called to do. Because Jesus was sovereign king of the universe, and yet he humbled himself and took a place of service. That tells me that he served out of his strength. He served out of his love. He gave his strength for others. See, true humility will grow in our relationship with God. The closer you get to God, the more humble you'll become. If you ever find yourself getting closer to God... And you get a little proud about that. If you, ever, if you ever watch somebody get closer to God and they're getting more proud, they're not getting closer to God. You're not getting closer to God. When we get closer to God, we're going to see humility rise up because we're going to be more like Jesus. It's the first lesson we learn in this story is the lesson of humility. The second lesson is the lesson of holiness. The lesson of holiness See, Peter speaks, you know, impulsively, as he always does, but understandably, you know, Jesus, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, you, you're not going to wash my feet. He, he basically, very in strong language in the Greek, no way, Jesus, you're not washing my feet. That's not going to happen, and he can't understand why Jesus would do this, and so Jesus has to explain, I have to do this to make you clean, and, and so then Peter, again, understandably thinks, well, If this is going to make me clean, then just give me a bath, Jesus. Let me jump in the tub. You know, it's like, and Jesus is like, no, it's not what I'm talking about. Just your your feet. Just your feet, Peter. See, when we come to Christ, uh, he washes our sin away and he makes us clean. And, and, and we, we, you can pray that prayer as many times as you want, but Jesus has already washed you clean. He just takes good care of you. It's good to remind yourself and pray the prayer and, and believe it, but, but God cleanses us from sin. It's, it's, our, it's our daily walk that needs to be taken care of. It's that every day I serve, every day I live in obedience, every day I follow him and I keep myself unspotted by this world, as James says, and I, I serve God and I live out my calling. See, the Old Testament priests, when they became a priest, they had this elaborate ceremony, only done once, an elaborate ceremony. And they were literally bathed with water and then anointed with oil. It was, a, it was a powerful experience. It was a powerful ceremony. But it only happened once. They didn't do that every day when they went in to do their priestly duties. No, that was a one-time event. And again, Jesus washes our sin. But when they would go in to do the work of the Lord as priests, what did they do? They went to the basin and they washed their hands and they washed their feet, and then they walked in and ministered unto the Lord. That's what we're called to do, is we're to keep ourselves holy. Now, you don't make yourself holy by doing this and not doing that, and we think that's holiness. No. Holiness is saying, God, I'm I'm here. I'm signing up for service today. What do you have for me to do today, God? And we humble ourselves. We give ourselves to God and say, God, I want to do whatever you've asked me to do. That, And when we enter into that, when we fulfill our calling to serve, he makes us holy, just as he made the priests holy. He makes us holy as we do what he asks us to do. When we walk in that simple obedience, we are made holy. The third lesson that we learn is the lesson of happiness. The lesson of happiness is, Chicago radio station um, did a thing a while back just kind of, a, you know, get people to respond and call in. And, and they asked everybody, what's your greatest desire? Because they wanted to find the number one desire of people in Chicagoland. What, what's your number one desire? And all these people called in, all these different desires that they had. And and when, when the disc jockeys came to the end, they came to the conclusion, you know, when we put all these together, basically the desire was to be happy like if you put if you looked at what somebody said it was actually for their happiness like this would happen it would make me happy and so they concluded that our number one desire as human beings is to be happy in fact that's part of our nation right the pursuit of happiness you know it's actually in the gospels jesus talks about being blessed if you ever see the word blessed it's the same word as happy happy are those you know, it just, just fill in that blank, you know, this idea of happiness. In fact, the early church fathers continued to thought uh, that they would say, you know, if you want to be happy, uh, follow the apostles' teaching, follow the word of God. So if you want to be happy, do these things. In fact, Jesus said it in the passage we just read. I don't know if you caught it in John 13, 17. Since you know these things, then you'll be happy if you do them. You'll be happy if you do them. But let me show you something that's really important. There's a sequence. You you have to follow the sequence. What was the first thing? We walk in humility. Then we walk in holiness. Then we experience happiness. That's how it works. That's the process. See, a lot of people just chase happiness. They just want to be happy. So I want to do this, and this will make me happy. And if you're just chasing happiness, you're chasing a shadow. You're never going to get it. I watch people just do their whole life chasing happiness and, and they end up and they, they die with their life never really counting. But if you want your life to count, you want to experience happiness and joy, follow this. Live a life, walk humbly before your God, serve others, allow God to use you, and then you'll experience happiness. See, happiness is a byproduct. It's something that comes. It's not something we get right away. It's something that comes from serving Jesus and being like him and helping others. And I want to tell you there's nothing like teaming up with God in this life. I I thank God every day I get to do what I do. And I know that, you know, Edgar was talking about AC, the Ascension Convention, that we do for young people. And, And I know it won't be the same this year because we're used to gathering together in a big hotel ballroom and there's, you know, so many kids and the lights and the sound and we see God move and they come to the altar and God changes them and it's like oh that's awesome and this year we'll be online and we won't see one face but we know that thousands of people will be watching and so we say God we get to team up with you to impact thousands of students probably literally across the world that will watch this that will tune in and will be a part of it and it's like God thank you Thank you that we can gather together like we do on a Sunday morning. There's nothing like it. There, there's nothing like reaching out to our community. There's nothing like sharing. It's like, God, I'm, I'm teaming up with God in this world. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. Happier than anything else I could get in life. Anything else I could have. That, if that gets to be my legacy, that's better than a million dollars in the bank. And I'm not just saying that. I believe that that we are teaming up with God in this world. There's nothing like it. In this passage, Jesus, who was their master, who had every right to command his disciples to serve him, instead, he served them. And then he says, you know what I want you to do? I want you to do the same thing. I want you to put this into practice. I call this the greatness principle. If you want to be great, I'm going to ask you to do five things, and you can write these down. These are five things, five ways to serve others, five ways to serve others. This is practical. This is what you can take away with you. Number one, give your time. Give your time. Share a little bit of your time to bless others. Give your time. It's valuable. Your time is valuable. I mean, that's the one commodity we can't get more of, right? So when you give your time, it's valuable, when you give your time and uh, um, I just want to encourage you I know it's kind of a weird season it's you know COVID and not a lot happening at the church although we're still reaching out to the community doing some things but but I want you to 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 give some of your time to the Lord to his family to this world I was challenged about this um, uh, actually years ago in I don't really talk about it, and I'm not even going to say much today other than God challenged me a number of years ago that I needed to volunteer my time as well. And not here at the church. I wanted to do something where I gave time away, and they didn't know who I was, and I didn't get paid for it or anything. And so I started volunteering at at, at different schools or organizations or things like that just because, like, I'm asking everybody here to volunteer at church so it's like I need to to know what it feels like to give my time somewhere and it's it it just always a blessing you know whether it's working with kids or whatever so I encourage you to give your time serve others with your time it'll change your life number two uh, share your talent share your talent you have a gift from God and that gift is without repentance God placed it inside of you it's there uh, the Bible says every one of you has a spiritual gift that he's placed inside of you to not hoard for yourself, but to serve others with that gift. And, and so I'm just going to encourage you to, to share that gift with the body of Christ. Share that gift with the world. You may say, well, I don't, I don't know if I have a gift. Yes, you do. There's only one of you. God loves you. He created you unique and special. And you're, you can serve God in a way that no one else can. He's placed that gift inside of you. You say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Tomorrow in the morning email from the church that will be sent, it will be in your inbox. There is going to be a link to an online spiritual gift test. It's free. All you have to do is click the link and take it. And uh, it will, through the questions uh, that you answer, uh, look for the biblical spiritual gift that you have. And I just encourage you, when you find out what that is, would you just click reply and tell us here at church uh, what your spiritual gift is? I love hearing those kind of things. So um, you have a gift. If you don't know what it is, take that test. Um, It's good for all of us to take the test, but, but share the gift, share the talent God has given you. Number three, invest your treasure. Invest your treasure. We're called to invest in God's work. We're called to live with open hands. That what God gives us, we also give. So it's not something that when God gives us something, we close our hands, but that our hands are open and that we give, that we are a blessing. This is a matter of the heart. This is really important. This one's really important because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And notice how Jesus says that it's where your treasure is, that's where your heart goes. I don't know about you, but I want my heart to seek first his kingdom. And so if I want my heart in his kingdom, my treasure has to be in his kingdom. It doesn't say your treasure follows your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. And so I just encourage you to give. Follow God's example. When we give, we're like God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God is a giver. He's a good father. He gives us precious gifts, and we are called To give as well. Number four, encourage with your talk. Encourage with your talk. Give an encouraging word. Speak life, speak hope, speak peace into people's lives. There are people who need to hear that positive comment that you can give them. And sometimes it's more than just the positive comments, it's actually a prophetic word. When you see your kid and you say, hey, you're a great kid, you're going to do great things you know, um, you're good at school, or just speaking that life, or speaking to your spouse, you're the best wife in the world. And I do mean that, honey. So, but just, you just speak life, and you speak life, and you speak life, and you speak life. We're called to encourage one another with our word. And so I want you to think about this week, who can I encourage with a card, with a text, with a phone call, maybe even face-to-face? Who can I encourage? Reach out this week. Number five, proclaim with your testimony. Proclaim with your testimony. Tell about what God has done in your life. Share the name of Jesus. Share the good news. We share things we like, right? I mean, if we eat at a good restaurant, we tell everybody about the restaurant. If we got a new phone, an app on our phone, and we like that app, we'll share everybody. You know, oh, this is a great app. We, we share the things we love. We share the things we like. We need to be sharing Jesus with this world. That's what we're called to do. I got to meet uh, somebody and uh, didn't know um, how they knew us and stuff. And so we started talking and I found oh, and they were friends with a young couple that started to attend our church. And when we made the connection that those are their friends and I'm the pastor of the church, uh, she said that she goes, all they ever do is talk about your church. You know, that's all they ever talk about. And I'm like, yes, you know, just, but it's like when you, when you find something, that treasure, that pearl of great price, that's worth talking about, that's worth sharing. And when we talk about Jesus and share our faith, there's actually, it actually builds up our faith as well. And so those are the five things, five ways to serve others, five ways to be great. Give your time, share your talent, invest your treasure, Encourage with your talk and proclaim with your testimony. Why do we do these things? Here's one of the most important verses for this. And I'm going to ask you to highlight it, underline it, get it in your heart. 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Nothing that you do for the Lord is in vain. Nothing that you do for the Lord, no act of service is in vain. See, we are called to, to live our life, and God is going to use you in ways when you don't even know that he's using you when you make yourself available to him. I had a neighbor that lived across the street, and uh, I really liked this guy. Um, we, we actually got along really well, and we couldn't be probably two more opposite guys in the world. And, and, I mean, he's just kind of a really, really tough guy, always out, you know, working on his car or project or something, and, and so I'd go over to his garage, and we would talk, or he'd come over and talk. We just, if we ever saw each other out, we just went in over and talked, and, and um, just had a, had a good relationship, and, and I would always invite him to church, and he only came one time. He came one Christmas, because it's Christmas, and I told him he had to come, and um, so he came at Christmas, and it was funny, because he and his wife came. And they walked through the door, and they didn't know anybody, but they saw saw us sitting down on the front row, and so they just walked right down and sat by us on the front row, and and it was great. It was a great day, and never came back, you know, so. um, And so it was time to move, and and, um, I was sad, you know, because I really, I I wanted, I don't know, I don't know, you know, because you want them to be saved, but here's the thing, is the Lord really spoke to me, some plant some water, he gets the harvest, and and you don't pick fruit that isn't ripe, okay, so I just had to remember that, and so I, I went over um, and said, hey, we're downsizing, we're moving, um, I'm going to, I just said, I'm really going to miss you, we had talked to all the neighbors, but he was like the last guy I talked to, because I was like, I'm really sorry, you know, I, I just, I, I wish, you know, and, and he said this, he goes, you are the best neighbor I've ever had, and I'm like, and again, to be honest, we didn't. we just shot the breeze, okay? These, it was just guy talk. It was, it was just, there wasn't a lot of depth to our conversation. But he's like, you're the best neighbor I've ever had. And he goes, I'll never forget, and there was a storm in, in one time, about probably 10, 15 years ago, and, and for some reason, our neighborhood was out of power, and they couldn't get it, the power back on, and so it was like a couple days without power. And he goes, I'll never forget, um, you firing up your generator, and walking across the street with an orange extension cord for me and says, is, is there anything you need to plug in? He goes, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever done to me. I had totally forgotten that had ever happened. You know, I never never even registered. And it was just like, but those small acts of service and kindness God can use to open a door that, you know, hey, God's going to work on him. You know, we're, we're all works in progress, right? But God... God loves us and he wants to use us in other people's lives. Are we aware enough to serve others? Are we so worried about ourselves, taking care of ourselves, providing for ourselves that we don't take time to serve others? Because let me tell you, anything you do for the Lord, anything, any act of service you do, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. See, I believe that you're destined for greatness. And I'm so grateful that that I grew up in this church and, and that I served in the sound booth when I was a young man and I... I Volunteered for kids ministry. I was a youth pastor, and now the pastor, all the all the areas I've gone to serve over the years. I, I, this is the I, I have to tell you, and I know I say this, and and I but I mean it. This is the greatest honor of my life to pastor this church. It's just like I am so grateful to God for this because I feel like what we are doing as a church family really matters around the world. It matters in our community. It matters in our families. It matters in our life, and. And, and, and we don't even know until we get to heaven all that, that God is doing because nothing done in his name is in vain. And again, I don't care if anybody remembers my name or our church's name, but that they know that somebody loved them, that Jesus loved them, that they remember the name of Jesus because what, us, what we do matters. And when we serve and give our lives to him, that's when we will be truly happy. One more thing to write down. You will never do anything more significant with your life than serving the king. In his kingdom. You will never do anything more significant with your life than serving the king and his kingdom. Don't waste your life. You were created for something great. Give your life away, the Bible says, and you will find it. I think of that little boy that came to Jesus with five loaves and two fish. There was a crowd of 5,000 men. And so with women and children, maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe more tens of thousands of people hungry what's interesting is that, that amount that he brought is actually the amount that a family would eat so probably not telling his mom and dad he snuck the family dinner and gave it to Jesus and mom and dad are like what are you doing you know kind of, kind of thing but he brought what he had he brought what his family had he, he brought it to Jesus and when we bring our lives because we can say I don't have that much and that's true right None of us, we don't have that much, but but when we bring what we have to Jesus, you know what he does? Is he breaks it and he multiplies it. He blesses it, the Bible says. And he feeds thousands upon thousands upon thousands with our little lives that we give him. Nothing done for him is ever done in vain. He has created you for a purpose. He has created you for something great. And when you give your life away and place it into his hands, he will bless it and he will break it and he will give it to this world. And your life will change this world. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, would you give us hearts that are obedient? Will you give us ears to hear? Will you give us eyes to see? Will you wash our hands and our feet to go and to be you to this world? Lord, I thank you for the gifts and the callings that are across this room and and everyone watching online. Holy Spirit, will you speak to us this week who we are to reach out to? Who we are to give to? Who we are to spend time with? Who we are to give an encouraging word to? Lord, will you take our life and multiply it this week? God, thank you. Thank you that we can gather together. Thank you that we can receive your word. But Lord, now... Give us the power to go out and live your word. God, thank you for what you're doing and what you're continuing to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.